Blog Talk Radio. January 12th, 2011. Today's topic is workforce management with special guest Adam Sinkowski from Optum Health. If you're listening live, we invite you to be a part of the show and ask questions, and here's how you do it. You can email us at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com, or you can chat with us on calltalk.tv if you're already logged in. If you're listening on the phone or Heck, even close to one. You can call in at 347-857-3117. Make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know you have a question, and I'll do my best to get you in. Everyone who asks a question on the show today, whether it's email or phone or chat, will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best, and one person will be chosen at random to win an in-depth reality benchmark report valued at $1,500. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day. And now, I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is workforce management, and today we have brought in an expert on the topic for you, Adam Sinkowski. Adam has managed contact centers in the United States, as well as launching and managing a multilingual center in Amsterdam, Holland. He has also provided consultative services to contact centers in the U.S., Canada, and Australia, so he has a real international background. As Director of Workforce Management at a leading marketing company, he led the implementation of the software solution and ongoing operation of workforce management and practices in two divisions. There's really nothing like the hands-on implementation to teach you about something. And uh, workforce management teams under his leadership have received three awards for innovative workforce practices from one of the major software providers. His team was also instrumental in two centers being certified as compliant with the rigorous COPC 2000 standards for workforce management. Adam is currently the executive leader of workforce management practice for a division of the United Health Group. He is also instructor for the College of Call Center Excellence's workforce management course. I had the pleasure of attending the first edition of that course, and I can tell you it's everything you need to know about this important topic. So it's my pleasure to welcome Adam Sinkowski. Thanks, Bruce. Really happy to be with you today. Okay, great. Well, Adam, you know, I had the pleasure of attending your workforce management class that you taught in Minneapolis, and, and you defined what you consider workforce management to be in, in a unique way, uh, which I think our listeners would like to hear. Uh, could you share with our audience and, and talk about why and what your definition is? Yeah, I, I having worked with workforce management for a lot of years now, um, I think the the what I wanted to get away from was the conception that workforce management is a process. And while, of course, it's made up of processes, I believe workforce management is actually a mindset or a culture within an operation. And that mindset or that culture is we use data to drive our business decisions. We, we create systems and um, practices to collect data, and we let that data guide us um, towards the outcomes that we're striving to achieve. Yeah, and so, you know, there, there's some people who have sort of taken it from, well, workforce management is not a product, it's a process. You're saying it's not just a process, it's a whole culture. It has to sort of be 
baked into the DNA of how you manage your center. Right, exactly, and I think that's a great way to put it. I think is how you manage your center and and making it a portion of how we do business um, is a great way to think of incorporating workforce management practices into running your contact center and achieving your the successes you're uh, setting out to do. I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they think of it as just producing schedules, and it really is so much more than that. Right, right. Uh, but one of the things that stuck with me from the course, uh, besides the continental breakfast, which was really good. <laughs> Was the was the time that you spent on occupancy? Uh, I think you called it the key workforce management metric. How do you calculate it, and and why is it so important? Well, the way that we um, approach the term occupancy, and it's used differently in in different organizations, but the way that we define the term occupancy is really um, the spirit of it is to capture how often or how um, what portion of our time when we're working the phones. Are we spent actually interacting with a consumer or handling a consumer transaction? And so in that kind of definition, in a mostly inbound world that most of us deal with, what we're really saying is while we're working the phones, how often am I handling a call? So that's how it's calculated. Um, it's a it's a metric that I think really gets to uh, a measurement of the health or the efficiency of how we're matching our human resource supply with the demand of the transaction volume that's coming in. And so if we look at it that way, it really is um, a measure of the success of our goals of workforce management. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, let me take a step back here because I'm thinking that uh, some of the listeners are probably uh, very sophisticated and others who are tuning in because they really are now spreadsheeting their um, workforce. And mm-hmm. so every week or every two weeks, whenever they do it, they will hand it out, and uh, they're moving to something more complex. They're growing to the point. And at what, at what point do you usually find that people should look for, uh, you know, workforce management technology and software that's a little bit more sophisticated than a spreadsheet? Well, uh, certainly I think the effort that goes into creating those spreadsheets that a lot of people do use it's heading in the right direction. Most people intuitively look to say, well, when am I busiest and when do I have the most um, uh, work to do and let's have the people scheduled during that time. So it really is the beginning of workforce practices when we do those things. But I think once we start getting to 30 to 50 frontline FTE, we really should start looking at automating some of those practices. I think it starts to pay for itself when we start to get to that level of uh, employment. And, and of course, things like cost of uh, the frontline staff would certainly factor into that. But somewhere in that 30 to 50 frontline FTE range, we certainly should start looking at uh, at more sophisticated solutions than a, a spreadsheet. Right. I know that there are some centers that I've been in that are moving from a – everybody comes in from 9 to 5 situation mm-hmm. to a, well, we want to have more hours to service our clients, so we're going to, in fact, have shifts for the first time. And I guess part of it is the size of your center, and also it is, uh, you know, what kind of shifting that you have in the center. Would you say that's true as well? Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, that's certainly a variable that has to be taken into consideration. If the hours of your contact center are, you know, eight hours long, certainly you can cover that with one shift. But even in that scenario, if you're having some part-time shifts and things of that nature, it still might do you um, some good services to at least consult with somebody that has access to, to workforce software to test out some of your solutions and, and what maybe are some ideals um, even in that type of scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's say that you're a manager that, that wants to go uh, either to workforce management software or go to more sophisticated workforce management software. 
Uh, one of the things that we found is that uh, workforce management is oftentimes one of the highest ROI things that you can do in terms of uh, saving money for your, your, your center. Uh, do you have any sort of stories or some uh, thoughts to share with people, both who don't have workforce management software now or maybe who do but think that they could probably be doing better by a more sophisticated software? Sure. Uh, the first contact center that I worked in and managed in uh, was a contact center of 275 frontline agents who manually filled out um, time cards, and we just simply paid them off of what they were putting down on the piece of paper. And um, even though workforce solutions were available out there, it wasn't something we were considering at the time. And so we looked at um, doing some audits on the time cards and what we found, what was being entered, and what was being worked in the, as far as uh, the phone system went, they were two very different things, and so immediately we started sourcing opportunities for workforce software to start to not only kind of capture the activity of our people, we were going to pay off of that activity, and also then we started to see, well, how misaligned we were once we implemented that software from what was ideal towards what we had. And so uh, it was realized very quickly whether it was eliminating waste or whether it was uh, eliminating uh, time card issues, we found that it, it paid for itself very, very rapidly. Um, but what we did have to do was develop the expertise for how to use the software and, and uh, change a little bit of our culture of how we ran our business. Mm, there you, you hit it again. Okay, so in other words, uh, change your processes and change your culture with regard to how you actually uh, run the center. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, with regard to going from a less sophisticated system to a more sophisticated system, do you find that call centers, uh, call center managers uh, have a problem doing that because their higher-ups will say, well, you know, you've already got one, just make it, make it use it better. Uh, is that usually the case, or do you find that there's still a lot of people who need a more sophisticated software, particularly those who perhaps have an older one? Well, I mean, I think that the the first part of your question of do we see resistance at those types of levels in implementing or even modifying how we use workforce management services, I think that typically there are going to be resistance points throughout. And I, I, I've really, over the last few years, um, spent a lot of time learning and, and being educated on change management practices and incorporating those um, tenants into how we implement workforce or change workforce services within a contact center. So um, what, uh, to encapsulate kind of the overall thought, and we cover this a bit in the course, if you recall, uh, at the end mm -hmm. of the course we spent some time on change management. Um, people don't just change. Processes change, but people have to transition to a new way of doing things. And I think when we make the decision to try to either improve our workforce practices or change them, I think we have to understand that it's not just a snap of the fingers and people have um, feelings and thoughts about those changes that they're taking place. So spending time preparing people for those changes and then helping them kind of transition to the new way of doing things really has to be built into the overall, I guess, project plan, if you will, of, of moving moving towards a more sophisticated way of doing business, but helping communicate what the size of the prize is, why we're doing it, and the impact that can be made, and sharing that, I think really helps, um, I guess, build that uh, collaboration with all levels of the organization. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let's just, um, if you could encapsulate in a paragraph, I'm going to ask you to do the impossible. Uh, for those people who aren't that familiar with the guts of uh, workforce management, what it does for you. And if you could mm -hmm. sort of say, you know, it uses airline to, et cetera, et cetera. And if you could just sort of 
put the, the different components together. So at the end of your paragraph, everybody here says, okay, I know what call, uh, what uh, workforce management is all about. Sure. I think I can give you at least a uh, – uh, I'll take a shot at it. Um, I think the elements of the workforce management um, practice, if you will, really can be broken down into a repetitive um, process that um, can be done frequently. Usually it's done every week at least. But that process starts with the gathering of data. And the data itself has to really encapsulate, well, what is our work that we have to get done? And also, what are our goals? And we use that data to forecast then what we think is going to come next. So um, if you look at a transition of the first center that I worked in, one of the transitions that had to take place was we moved from being reactive in our environment to predicting what was going to happen to us, what the workload was going to be, and then proactively addressing that. So we gather data, we create a forecast, that forecast then turns into a plan. How are we going to handle that work that's coming in? What's our plan? What are our schedules? Um, and also, how are we going to manage all the other aspects of our business um, going on? So that's that plan that has to take place. So gather, forecast, plan. And then real time, no matter how good that forecast is, we still are going to be off a little bit, and we have to be able to react to that. So we consider that kind of optimizing the plan, if you will. And so now we're up to gather, forecast, plan, optimize. And then the last step after everything is said and done is to go back and analyze and say, well, how good was our forecast? How well did we work our plan? And how much optimizing did we have to do? Because we shouldn't have to over-rely on that optimization process. And centers that are very reactive and don't have a plan going in or don't have a forecast, they spend their time fighting fires and reacting. And so that optimized phase is really the lion's share of what they do today with regard to workforce management. So that's really the overall, if I was to put it into one paragraph, and I've probably exceeded that limit by a long stretch already, <laughs> gather, oh, forecast, okay, uh -huh. gather, forecast, plan, optimize, analyze. And those are the steps to doing the workforce process, but share that process not just with the workforce team, but also with the frontline managers and with the um, the executives, so they can understand in the short term and in the long term what's our forecast and how are we planning to address the, the needs of the business. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the, the software for workforce management includes uh, the lessons of the past, if I can sort of put it in uh, colloquial terms. So it, it, it understands what's been going on. In, in past weeks, months, et cetera. Can you just say how uh, that helps to uh, improve the performance of the forecasting, well, the, the forecasting and the, the scheduling? And Absolutely. Uh, any lessons, that, that, that high-level lessons that you have on that for our listeners? Well, I think, you know, again, relying on the, the my past experiences, you know, when you, you make a, a plan or schedules in an Excel document, you spend a lot of time going back and analyzing what has happened previously, but you're doing it manually. And one of the greatest things about the software solutions that are available today, and there are some very good ones out there, usually they interact with your other systems that are bringing you your transactions. So think of it as your phone switch. Well, it collects all your phone data, and not just about the calls, but also about what your people are doing. And so to be able to go back and analyze and say, well, what happened, and then what's going to happen next time, 
the software really helps facilitate that process. So um, you can set it up so it will provide you with a very good forecast and then the process of matching your human resource supply to that predicted demand, you can actually have the system help optimize that portion of it. And that's where they really shine and that's their specialty is then creating those schedules that help put us in the best position possible. But even in that case, Bruce, you still have to have people looking at the information, people looking at the system and making sure that we're taking advantage of all the opportunities that are out there, removing constraints from the system to help us better match that human resource supply with that predicted forecasted demand. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's a great answer. And Adam, in addition to the work you've done as a workforce manager, you're now teaching what you love with the College of Call Center Excellence. What kind of experience is it to transfer knowledge to a course? And what lessons might that have for our listeners? Because uh, if they're workforce managers or call center managers, they have to, you know, not only understand but also mentor and teach other people and make sure that they understand what this is all about, you know, because I think in a lot of centers this whole workforce management thing is a black box and uh, Mm -hmm. people don't understand it. So what are the lessons that you learned that might be usable by our listeners? Well, I think, first of all, uh, you've really sort of touched on some of the things that leap to mind when you ask the question. Um, If you really want to learn something well, try to teach it. Um, And so getting ready for the the class and helping prepare the materials and then delivering the class, um, even though I've been doing this for a long time, it makes you revisit your own processes and and reexamine what you do. And I guess that would be the other thing that I would say is, Build that into your overall plan for your workforce management group that on a, at least a yearly basis, you go back and you examine your best practices and make sure that you're not just falling into the habit of kind of lather, rinse, repeat, doing the same things over again, but rather continuing to try to strive to do things better. Um, continuous improvement uh, certainly applies uh, in the ever-changing world that are call centers. So I would say that, you know, if people were to look at a course like what um, I teach, it touches on a lot of things, um, life lessons when implementing workforce uh, and using workforce, but it serves as a good framework for that kind of self-inventory to say, where do I have my next opportunity to build my practices better? And you mentioned teaching it to your own teams within your, your mm-hmm. organizations. Certainly that will help solidify and, and push you to the, the level of knowing what it is that you want to do and the practices you're putting in place and why you're putting them in place. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And it also makes you more part of the team. You know, if you communicate what you're doing to your colleagues and they understand what you're doing and why you're doing it, I mean, they'll understand uh, high level why you're doing it. But if you can give them a little bit more insight uh, behind the curtains and not have it be the black box it is oftentimes, then I think that uh, you'll you'll feel more and they'll feel that you're more a part of the team. And I think that's important in the case of workforce management. Oh, absolutely. In fact, yeah. you know, Bruce, it's interesting. I listened um, in on on uh, all of your previous call talk shows, but I one of them uh, really gave me a term that I actually incorporated. It's in some of the slides that I use. I don't know if you know this, but in the in the course, you used the term on one of your previous shows, and you called it a, a radial organization. And one of the things that I really um, recommend for the workforce management teams that are out there is that. Workforce management does get incorporated in every part of the operational aspect, and what I mean by that is take in information from other groups, helps your forecasting, but also share information about how your system is performing with those other groups. Create that radial organization, and it does, without 
me is specifically saying it this way, it does address that issue of workforce management becoming a black box because people um, should, outside of the workforce management team, participate in the workforce management culture and process. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, listen, I won't even charge you uh, royalties for using that term. <laughs> You're welcome, well, thank you for that. That's great. <laughs> Actually, uh, let's see. Brian, I think that you've got some questions coming in, so why don't I uh, hand it over to you? Sure, I, I definitely do. And uh, at this point, I want to remind everyone, too, if you're logged in to calltalk.tv, that you can ask your questions on uh, what we call the shout mix there. It's the chat application there, so feel free to do that as well. Have some callers that have uh, called in from Nebraska, have one from Indiana, New York, Minnesota, just to name a few. So remind everyone that's on the phone, just hit one if you want to ask a question and make sure you get the most out of, of this call talk. Uh, our first question, though, comes from Lynn, and uh, a little bit about pitfalls, I think. What is the most common error in call centers that use workforce management? Hmm, what is the most common error that you see? That's a great question. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think we've kind of danced around what my answer would be to this one, Bruce, but I, I think that the, the most common error that I see in call centers is that workforce management does become a group that simply produces schedules. And if that's the case, a lot of times they don't implement a practice that bases the the schedules or the outcomes on data. And so we get away from that culture of, hey, let's use our history. Let's use the lessons from the past. Let's use the predictions of the future to say, what should we um, be ready to tackle? And so um, in those scenarios where they just produce schedules, a lot of times they work at the behest of a call center director or manager who just comes to them and says, hey, change this person's schedule to be this or this, and without really understanding the full ramifications of those changes. So um, to me, I think it just indicates not really incorporating workforce management into the fabric of how we run our business. Um, that's the most common error that I see. Gotcha, gotcha. How about you, Bruce? You have some experience in the call center industry. What do you see as, as common errors out there? Well, you know, I think that uh, it is. It's getting into a rut. It's not rethinking things. And sometimes it's also getting so wrapped up in yourself that you're not uh, aware of the functionalities of other areas. So it's the uh, the, the failure of the radial organization, really. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you an example. I was at one call center. Uh, it was for inbound sales. And people were obviously taking calls. Uh, but sometimes they were taking calls from people who were calling for a second time because uh, they were selling insurance. And uh, so they had checked with their spouse or they did whatever, and they were calling back in. And they would end up leaving a message because the person would be on another call usually. And when the agent wanted to make an outbound call, they had to call workforce management, and they had to tell them that they wanted to go into outbound mode for a specific period of time, which they had to estimate, and then uh, if their call, which might result in a sale, um, went beyond that time, they were out of adherence, and they got blasted for that. Can you imagine? (laughs) And so anyway, uh, we sat down and we talked about it, and just the whole functionality and the fact that they had well-trained agents who were responsible people, they weren't going to be twiddling their thumbs and all that kind of stuff or abusing it, and... uh, so we changed things such that uh, the agent, him or herself, could put themselves in outbound mode and not have to ask permission of uh, workforce management. Now, that could be overridden if uh, there was a high volume of inbound calls and they needed to be sure to take those calls. But in those cases where uh, there wasn't a high volume of inbound calls, 
they were able to put themselves into outbound mode and uh, and not be out of adherence. So that's that's one of the things that I've seen. Boy, that's a great example of how workforce management comes to be thought of as big brother in a lot of operations. Yeah, yeah, and and in this case, they weren't in the same location. They were actually in a different building on the campus. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, exactly. You can sort of be seen as the folks out there, and you, you don't want to be. You want to be part right. of the team, part of the right. radio organization. Yeah, it's great. Okay, Brian, do we have another one? Yes, we do. This next one comes from Monica, and uh, this is looking like a little bit more of a technical question. The question is, what are Erlang formulas? Hmm. Oh, thank you, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take this one, Bruce, or should no, I? No, no, no. This is this is yours. But uh, okay, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you asked it. I'm glad you asked it. Yeah, Erlang formulas are actually formulas that have been around for about 100 years. They were developed by a mathematician um, for the Danish telephone company uh, back in, I believe it's 1919, somewhere in that era. Um, And what they are are actually probability formulas, and we use them uh, to develop uh, staffing recommendations, and they are the backbone to um, uh, all the major software uh, providers out there from a workforce management standpoint. So these formulas still are outstanding for doing the work that we need to do. But what they are are probability formulas that determine, well, what's the probability that a call will have to wait for um, an available person to handle it while it waits in queue? And so they're not without flaw. The flaws are fairly well known, but they certainly perform the function that we need them to function at a very outstanding level. Um, but uh, we do cover a little bit of Erlang trivia in in the, in the course, and uh, that is what the Erlang formulas are. So they're the staffing formulas used in any call center modeling, whether it's Excel-based or whether it's uh, software-based. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there's uh, different airline f- formulas, and uh, so now uh, anybody who's on the phone who wasn't familiar with that before can uh, understand that that's part of what's under the hood, and if they're talking to their uh, workforce management person, they can say, oh, tell me about your airline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Good, good. Uh, Brian, do you have another one? I sure do. And uh, could you guys spell Erlang just in case our listeners aren't sure how that is spelled? Mm-hmm. Sure, it's E R L A N G. Yep. And okay, just making sure. As Adam was mentioning, it's actually named after the gentleman who uh, was in Denmark and, and came up with these formulas. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, what is powering the, um, the the software under the hood, or part of what's powering it under the hood? Yep. Okay, great. Brian? Super. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, this uh, next question comes from Matt, and uh, he's asking, what is a good adherence goal to shoot for? Hmm. Well, I think that uh, if we kind of revisited the the first question that came from the listeners about uh, what is the most common error, this would fall certainly in line from my standpoint, and number two in the list of most common errors regarding workforce management is, when people implement workforce software, the first thing that comes out is a new piece of information known as adherence and something we don't have unless we have uh, schedules that are automatically uh, compared against activity to yeah. say, well, how often are we working our plan? But the goal of adherence, I I believe, should be set um, at a level that ensures that we're going to most consistently meet our overall service targets. So what I mean by that is we don't want to get so beholden to just trying to work the schedules as they're written that perhaps we make bad business decisions. And people who blindly follow an adherence goal but don't use their business common sense often end up with really 
poor results. So I would say one of my biggest recommendations to the groups that I've, I've worked with and consulted with is don't run out and implement adherence at the same time you're implementing workforce software because it, that really leaves people with a, a bad taste in their mouth. But at the same token is track adherence and understand when your group reaches a certain level of adherence is when you most likely um, leads to the most likely success in your organization with regard to hitting your other service goals. So very often it's somewhere around 85 to 90 percent, but there are a lot of things that go into that to say when we hit 85 percent adherence overall, generally we make our service targets. Mm. Now, I just had a little epiphany, and I think that's a really good answer because of the fact that uh, many folks do implement uh, systems that allow them to get adherence. As soon as they get it, they latch onto it and they start using it as uh, both a uh, performance metric and a punitive metric in some cases. Right. Before they've understood how this new system is interacting with the real world of their call center. And you really have to kind of settle in with it, understand how it's working, and understand where the dysfunctions could be. Let me give you an example. Um, you know, if you, for example, have a, <clears throat> a call center with talk times, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that are on the longer side, then you could have a situation where somebody takes a call toward the end of their shift. Uh, they want to satisfy the customer. Perhaps they want to close the sale, but in any event, they want to satisfy the customer, and they will stay on beyond what they're supposed to in order to close the call, and they'll mm -hmm. be out of adherence as a result. And, okay, so how do you handle that? Uh, you need to have management solutions to handle that, and, and uh, uh, you know, you have to also be realistic in terms of the uh, adherence percentage that you're looking for. Uh, do you right. have any similar examples, uh, Adam? Yeah, I think one of the things that you uh, bring to mind is um, the first place I worked where we implemented workforce software, we started looking at people and realizing that, there were people that were getting to 100% adherence, and we realized quickly, well, that's not a good thing because just as you described, there are situations that take place every day in call centers that would push us out of adherence and should. And so there's a natural limit no matter where you are to that adherence goal. It's not something where more is better. A lot like service level. 100% service level in most places is just an indication that we've probably wasted some labor dollars. Well, adherence certainly shouldn't uh, be just more is better. That's definitely something I would say. And then uh, the other thing is that you mentioned something like a call basically taking us out of adherence, and certainly it should and it would. The longer the calls are in a, in a contact center, the more likely that's going to happen. And again, your goals are going to be based on what your system can produce, what your uh, people can achieve. So it needs to be based in reality, and it needs to be tied to the rest of your overall goals within your organization. Mm. Okay, well, I think we're uh, toward the end of the half hour right now. But, uh, you know, I think one other point that we could bring up, too, is that uh, this, these systems, particularly well done, well run, um, can also provide us with the ammunition we need when we ask for additional staffing. In other yep. words, if we have a really good system, we're running it well, we really understand the metrics behind it, then when the time comes for us to put the uh, – proposal to senior management that we need more staffing, we've got all the ammunition we need to show that, uh, you know, on an economic basis, uh, this makes sense. You mean you'd be using data to drive your business decisions? Yeah. Like <laughs> there we go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
Adam, it's always a pleasure. I mean, we uh, hit a lot of, I think, very important points, and I really appreciate your being on the show with us again. And with that, uh, and also appreciate everyone who's listening, and with that, I'd like to hand things back to Brian. So over to you, Brian. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Adam Sinkowski, thank you so much. And, uh, of course, Bruce for the hosting of the show. I do need to uh, throw out some props. Adam, I uh, got a chat from uh, one of your uh, attendees, Leanne from Minnesota, says, I've attended Adam's course. It's excellent and well worth attending. So uh, kudos to you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, also now time to give away uh, a winner. Today's winner of our in-depth reality check goes to Monica. Congratulations, Monica. That's a $1,500 value, so make sure that you email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com so I can get that to you. And do want to thank everyone for listening in, whether you're live or at the archive show, and make sure that you join us January 19th when we talk about workforce optimization, analytics demystified with industry expert Bill Durr from Verint. So uh, don't forget to sign up for a free reality check benchmark report to see how you and your call center compares to others in the industry. Our in-depth reality check benchmark takes a much deeper dive into call center metrics and is free for Monica today. want to thank all of you for listening in and from all of us from Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out, hoping everyone has a great day.